Metallica. Here they come, the kings of metal. Hey, this is Scott Pingle from SNM2, and you're listening to Metal Up Your Podcast. Welcome to Metal Up Your Podcast. I'm Ethan Luck. And I'm Clint Wells. This is episode 140, and we're going to be riffing on our old friend, Jimmy James J- Hetfield Jr. Senior Esquire the third. There you go. I didn't think you were going to get it till the very <laughs> end. Yeah, I literally just kind of crawled off a bus and, after a long run on, on the road. And we thought about, like, we put out our emergency episode about mm-hmm. the news that James has, has uh, entered himself back into rehab. And we were able to get out about 20 minutes of sort of hot takes and right. first reactions, mostly to give our fans a place to exercise how they might have been feeling about it. It was shocking news. Yeah, very shocking. Uh, as we all remember. And now we've had some time to think about it, to speculate about it. And uh, we've gotten a bunch of emails. A bunch mm-hmm. of the Metal Podcast family has written into us with some questions and some uh, what-ifs. And so yeah. we thought that uh, we'd sit down now that we have some actual time to let the issue breathe. We're actually going to be in a room together rather than we were on the phone last time. I was in Denver, yeah. So now we can sit here in HQ2 and look each other in the eye longingly. Mm, gazingly. And, and it, you know, we were just talking right before we hit record. This isn't a, you know, uh, a tabloidy, TMZ-ish no, no, rumor no. mill. This is more of we love this guy and we're concerned about him and we want to just, and again, give the, the Metallica community and the Metal Up Your Podcast community a place to exercise some of the feelings. Right, yeah. No, I, I, I feel this is a great idea. Um, I mean, I, I know that you and I, aside from texting, really, because we've both been out of town a lot, you and I haven't really even sat down and kind of just chatted about it and uh, kind of thrown our own thoughts out there with just amongst each other. So it'll be it'll be cool just to, to kind of go through kind of, you know, what happened, what, you know, what could become of, of him or the band in the future or his, his health. What are the priorities in someone's life like that? All sorts of things. We're going to read through a bunch of emails that relate to this subject, and uh, that way we'll be able to riff on those as well. So, uh, yeah, join us as we uh, as we take a, a quick journey <laughs> through the portal. Come walk with us, please. Um, yeah, so we're going to get do a little bit of housekeeping before that. And, by the way, I figured as a, a gift to the family, we would put my newest rough mix of Turn the Page Ooh. From the forthcoming cover, we're black and volume four here at the end of the episode. So you got something to look forward to nice, as well. Yeah. Uh, if you like the show, go leave a positive review on iTunes. If you really like the show, you can get involved with Patreon. You're going to hear a commercial about it later, but we have some new patrons, and at the bare minimum, we'd like to say thank you to them. So let's do that now. Let's read a few of these. Let's do it. Uh, we got some new patrons here. We have Matt Pawlowski. Pawlowski? Pawlowski. Pawlowski. I'm tickled to death to be here now. Great to be here. Cody Farmer. Nuno Custodia, Katie Ito, Andy Sparrow, Chris Howe, and Anthony Mitchell. Let's give it up for the new patrons. Welcome, welcome everybody. 
It was a few, just a few weeks ago that we gave out a bunch of cool shit, like 10 gifts. Most of them were accounted for. I need to do a little bit of catch-up now that I'm back home from the road. Uh, while I was out on this trip up in New England, I found yet another VHS CD, Binge and Purge. At a record store that we've both been to. Strange, Strange Maine. Strange Maine, that's right. A wonderful spot in Portland. This is the, the same exact. I was there in the spring, and this is where I bought Clint the load cassette. Now, speaking of you getting me a low cassette, I got you a gift. I didn't get this at Strange Maine, Ooh. but I got you something. Oh, and you're saving it for the show. I, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Sound of White Noise by Anthrax. On cassette. Listen to this. <laughs> Can you hear it? Oh, man. I'm, I, you know, I, I drove my 4 here today, which has a cassette player, so guess what's going to be playing on the way there home? There you go. Something else. Mm -hmm. No, I'm stoked. Thank you very much. That's so kind. Yeah, man. Well, you know, I'm not gonna put it to as good a use as you would. Hey, it'll it'll be uh, it'll be well loved, well listened to, and uh, and you and I brought you a gift via our friend Wes Fisk today. Some S and M picks. Wes was, can you hear that? Wes was very very generous. Uh, we recorded an episode with him, which uh, is to be uh, determined when we're going to release it. It's in the can. But Wes it, was so say. so kind uh, as to, uh, and he does this a lot when he comes home from runs the shows with the boys. He uh, hooked us up with uh, an entire set and a couple duplicates of uh, S&M picks and some of Hetfield's new White Fang picks. Now, what we're being told by some of the uh, nerds out there, i.e. Chris Yurgis. And Ethan. <laughs> <laughs> and Ethan, who also did some research, is that these are quite valuable, I guess. People are yeah. selling them on eBay. Now, one of them has a tuxedo that says S&M 2. And then, of course, the dates are on the back. There's a gold one. There is a kind of a grayish one the gold one is kind of the one that's the one that has the specific uh individual dates one says the sixth one's the eighth right and okay. uh yeah I, I when chris told me uh i sent him a picture i think in a group text with you it just it was just my hand with all the picks he's like you got about a thousand dollars worth of picks right there and i was like what so apparently they're they're worth whatever on uh ebay Ethan and I don't have much interest in that. Yeah, totally. What does interest me is we're going to put our heads together at some point. I know that for me, whatever duplicates I have, we want to give them away. Right, yeah. Um, and so these are like super hard to come by. So we want to thank our, our buddy Wes Fisk, who's given, who's been so great. He's given us a lot of cool shit. Oh, He's show, given, show posters, show posters, and other other picks from different cities. And um, we have a great interview with him in the can, and uh, it'll be out at some point. Yeah, we're working on that. Uh, but the thing about the Patreon is that that's the patrons are going to get these gifts. Right. So it's so cool. That Binge and Purge box set, which I have another one that's just incomplete that I also got on the road. Oh, what's missing from it? It's missing a few of the VHSs, but I've been finding the VHSs by themselves. Oh, so individual. I've been, okay. on, I've been on what one might call a spiritual journey. Oh. Trying to complete it myself, and then, we'll, of course, we'll give it away. Give it away, give it away now. Give it away now. <laughs> I can't tell if I'm a... <laughs> Prince or a pauper? Two princes or a John Popper. Princess Neil before you? <laughs> I love the Spin Doctors. I don't. <laughs> you don't like that song? Uh no. I mean maybe when it came out. How can out, you not like fun. that song? I don't know. It's just it's just goofy. It is goofy. I will say, uh, that song, there's that other one that uh what time is it? Four thirty. It's not late. No, no, it's just it's early. 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 I love it. If I want to really drive my wife crazy and get a song on her head, I'll <laughs> sing one of those two songs. Yeah, dude. <laughs> well, they had another big hit, uh, oh, Little Miss Can't Be Wrong. Oh, that's right. Little Miss, Little Miss Can't Be Wrong. Dude, do your durrits, man. <laughs> Round here. No, man, you have a, your one line you I do. Uh, now gray is my favorite color. <laughs> man, the Little 90s. Little Miss Can't Be Wrong. It's the same voice. It's the same guy. 
Holy shit. Oh, that gave me some See, some, man, in the 90s, in the nineties, in addition to the, the great Metallica shit that they were pumping out, you had all this goofy, sort of ridiculously nerdy... Like, I just miss how nerdy the 90s were. It was very nerdy, yeah. Think about the dancing of the 90s. In the 90s, a guy like me could go to a, a nightclub, yeah. as they were called, and dance and not be made a fool. No. Because everyone looked like a fool. Yeah, you're doing everything from like the, what, the running man to the... <laughs> the running um, man. To the, the, the cabbage patch. I just remember all these from my sisters, usually. I didn't know they had names. Oh, yeah. But I'm just thinking about wearing like really like colorful clothing, because it's kind of left over from the 80s. Maybe some Jankos. Yeah. Maybe some, some baggy pants. Maybe some MC Hammer parachute pants. Yeah. And maybe some shoulder pads. And, uh, yeah, and singing fucking, uh, you know, <laughs> Little Miss Can't Be Wrong in a nightclub. But I was watching... Uh, Old Tales from the Crypt episode, kind of going through a Tales from the Crypt phase, yeah. as you notice. You yeah, you got some great see, books here. Might you see comics collections here on the on the Ottoman, but there was a heated argument happening between these two women in the show, and the argument was completely ended when one of them scathingly said, and without any irony said, up yours. Up yours. And it it was kind of like really hurtful, and it, yeah. ended, the, it ended the whole conver- the uh, argument. And that's just, that time is gone. I might start using that again. There was an innocence to it that. Yeah, well, at one point in time, that was kind of like that was a good, like a really b- good insult. It's like, man, up yours. I remember telling a kid on the fourth grade playground to eat my shorts, a la Bart Simpson, <laughs> and it being like, ooh, whoa, face, <laughs> face. <laughs> remember, talk to the hand. Talk to the hand because the face don't care. Because the face don't care. We did. Uh, we'd say like you know you you say face. Face. Uh, or face, <laughs> or if someone really burns somebody, say, "Oh, facial disgraceful." <laughs> you want to take it a step further? Oh, my friends used to say, "Facial disgraceful" from Castle Grayskull. Oh my God! This yeah. is when you guys were like in your late twenties, right? It's early thirties. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Holy shit! All right. Well, early threes. I, you know, I have this denim jacket that I wear that has all the four members of Kiss on the back. Right. And we went to a bar, and one of the bar vacs or whatever, some chick was like, hey, I love your Kiss, the Kiss thing, because it's the only patches I have on that jacket. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I didn't order those off eBay, which there's nothing wrong with that, but I was like, I want you to know, since you complimented the jacket right. and, and opened this door to a conversation you probably don't want to have, <laughs> uh, that I found all of these individually in the wild. In the wild. And I, I refer to that also as a spiritual journey, and you can attest to that. Yeah. You, you, there may be a piece you want that you could get off Amazon Prime delivered to your door by a fucking robot tomorrow. Right. But there's something about going out. It's the best. Rummaging and finding stuff. And it's been fun in the duration of the podcast. And I only, I continue doing that for myself, which I've been doing that for 15 years of touring. But now I look for things for the podcast. Yeah. You know, and find so old back issues of So What magazine. And- finding stuff in the wild. If, if you're a vinyl collector, heck, even if you still go out and buy CDs, it's so fun to be digging through a crate of records at whatever city you're in and all of a sudden you don't even think you're looking for something and all of a sudden you're like oh my god look at that i gotta get that yeah you know um yeah i mean and especially in, with cassettes too that's always fun to, to find these little gems i mean a lot of times i usually just go up to the cassette section just go straight to the m's look for metallica stuff yeah maybe some bob marley stuff whatever but it, it, yeah it's exciting to do that and sure we can jump on ebay or amazon and just order it real quick but it's not not as fun. Well, because I'm looking for these uh, EC, which stands for um, uh, Entertainment Comics from the 50s, these Tales from the Crypt editions, I've been also combing through and calling comic book stores, which Ooh. is a whole different flavor, dude. Yeah, it is. You just one right down the street from me, I think. Uh, what? 
Here? Pretty sure. I literally just this morning I stopped to get coffee. That Caliber Coffee over here. Oh, there's a comic place over here with all the blue. The blue. Yeah, yes, yeah. I, yeah. I saw that. Holy I never, shit! I need I to call them. I've never been in. It's, Should we call them on the show? Right it's now? funny because it doesn't really even occur to me. The the funny thing is like talking to comic nerds is super. It's it's it can be really funny. Oh yeah. I'm like, hey man, I'm not super into comics. I try to get them like up to speed. I'm looking for mm-hmm. these really specific reissues of EC Comics of Tales from the Crypt in hardback from 2007, Dark Horse. Well, we don't have. Uh, I know of what you're speaking of. Yes, of course. You know they they know. Yeah. Because God bless them, that's their world. You know. Of course, yeah. And then they don't have invariably will not have. I'm looking for the super specific shit. Right. But then they're like, but we do have the um. And then they'll tell me about all sorts of I'm assuming associated yeah prints and stuff. <laughs> I'm like, man, I don't know what any of that is, dude. I'm sorry. It is it is fun to nerd out with 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 people like that though. Like I, I remember when I bought um the, the little it's tiny it's the little um. Then uh, NES Classic has like sixty games on it or whatever for I've Nintendo. Got the, I've got the Super Nintendo. You do version. that's right. Yep. I remember I bought it on a day off on tour, like Pennsylvania or something. All I did was go in there and to buy that and an extra controller. That's mm-hmm. all I needed. An hour Six and a, hours hour and a half later, I'm finally leaving the store, and it was my fault. I just started talking about video games with the dude and old Nintendo games, and hour and a half goes by, and I'm like, okay, it's time to go. I, I'm the same way, and that's same in record stores too. Not to go on an old man rant, but <clears throat> that's what I, I think is going to be the most. Uh, invaluable piece missing when all these stores go right invariably because we've sort of traded that for the comfort of having an anonymous robot deliver something to your house the next <laughs> right. day yeah uh, I'm gonna miss all that and now now sometimes it's not like that it's very clinical and whoever's working there's just got a job to do mm-hmm. sometimes you're having a conversation and you realize this person maybe not the most pleasant person in the world right but half the time about you end up learning something new or talking mm-hmm. to someone who blows your mind absolutely or, or even just someone who's interested in the same shit you yeah. know the guy in strange maine which by the way uh living up to its title yes if it's was, the same dude that was it was a big bearded yeti looking dude yep that's so him. he was playing here's what he was playing in the store a crowd noise conversation but it's in this in this like you couldn't tell what the conversation was but it was like a conversation mm-hmm. on a super bizarre loop that was looped in a way that was just psychologically extremely Weird. disturbing. And I'm like, I'm like browsing and, but you don't even think about it at first. Yeah. I'm like browsing, looking through And then I realized that I don't feel good, <laughs> that I'm psychologically disturbed. Right. And I realized it's cause he's playing this really weird ambient yeah, conversation. That's, that's so strange. Weird. Yeah. And he's he's looking right as rain. He's just looking he's it, yeah. very comfortable. I'm like, he's organizing that massive VHS collection they have in there. They have a lot of VHS. Yeah, which you know, I went straight to the Nightmare on Elm Street section because I'm now collecting Nightmare on Elm Street yeah. VHSs. Did you find one there? No, no, no. I'll keep on the lookout for you. Yeah. Um, there's also a great record store. It was like a couple stores down from there. I can't remember the name of that Electric one. Electric Buddha. Was that one, that the one? Mm-hmm. That one was awesome. Yep. I found some great stuff in there, and then a great food spot on that street was Taco Escobar. We didn't do that. Was, did you, you didn't eat there? Pablo's place. I ate there twice. It was awesome. No, dude, we kicked it down by the water. Get some we, lobster rolls. We went to Joe's. Yeah, we went to Joe's uh, Oyster Bar, which nice. is a little dive bar, and got lobster rolls. Hell yeah! Woo, real good. Oh yeah. Um, now speaking of shooting the shit with these weirdos, we're the weirdos today. That yes. You will be shooting the shit with because we're going to read some emails from some family, and mostly exploring issues of, with James going back to rehab. And uh, of course, again, I want to say it's all in the spirit. Of James's health, we love the man. Yeah, he's responsible for this music that has changed our lives for the better, and will continue to change and shape our mm-hmm. lives. And uh, there's some Metallica news too. We'll get to, but we'll deal with all this in what we like to call the email corner. The email corner. <laughs>
Our first email is from Kyle Hotchkiss. He says, hey, Clinton Ethan, just wanted to thank you again for getting out the episode on the news about James reentering the rehab facility. The news really shocked and stunned the entire Metallica family and being able to process it with the help of the show and community really helped. Uh, listening to the episode on Saturday morning really got me out of the haze and just uneasy feeling I had, uh, had not had of not knowing uh, the future for James Metallica. On a happier note, I was lucky enough to win tickets to the advanced screening of the SM2 movie in San Francisco on October 2nd. It already happened, by the way. Uh, this is the first screening that I'm aware of. The other, other advanced screenings are on the 5th, and I'm super excited to be among the first to see, most likely, the final cut. Hear from Greg uh, and hear Greg Philbin's mix. I know you're both really busy, but I'd love to talk about the movie after seeing it. Anyway, I just want to say thank you again for helping me make the Metallica community epic. Cheers, Kyle. Uh, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, he already sent us an email. I think he got to like meet Scott Pingle. Lars showed up. Uh, Lars was there. He got to meet Greg Fiddleman. We're going to have Edwin, the conductor guy, on yeah. the show. That's in the works. Uh, I would love to talk to Greg Fiddleman. This is the time. This would be great. So maybe yeah. maybe it's a time that... Because, by the way, me and Scott Pingle have been talking a lot personally. He has BFS. <clears throat> well, let's just say that the moving in with Scott and his family may not be too far on the horizon. I was wondering why there was an upright bass in here now. Did you... <laughs> You getting the, are you getting Skype lessons? Uh, Scott uh, Scott is going to play on a Lunar Satan jam. I know, I love that. So That's I'm awesome. really, I mean, like he, you know, I sent him, I sent him. There's a song that our Lunar Satan fans will be familiar with called "Come Dark Sun," which is in a, it's it's the mellow guy. Mm -hmm. It's on an acoustic guitar and and uh, it's this kind of slow jam. Yeah, and he's gonna, dude. I sent it to him. I was like, I think you know, I, I like long legato notes, but obviously you're gonna. And like he wrote back this really thoughtful. You guys heard from Scott. He's a really thoughtful, yeah, like, yeah. smart music nerd guy. Absolutely. He wrote back this thoughtful thing about Lunar Satan musically. He's like, I like how musically how it, you know, just the way wow. he describes it. I'm like, wow, it's such a trip hearing Which him is talk cool. about he, that. He, he's already diving into it and already cares about oh, it. Oh yeah, he's like, hey, I could hear this. I could do long notes here, and so awesome. I, you know, I can't wait for Can that. Can you just but... play anesthesia over it? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be I'm sure sick, that man. So awesome, and then just have you in the background going, "Gray is my favorite color." <laughs> Gray is my favorite color. What's funny about you making fun of it? Well, the reason that tickles me so much—I don't hate the band—is because what you're tapping into with your kind of humorous, you know, like uh, take yeah. on it is the sort of ridiculous passion that Adam Duritz does put into shit like that for the color gray. Because yeah. it's—he's—he is kind of silly. Yeah, absolutely. Because he's very hard on sleeve. He's very silly in a non-intentional way. Yeah, you know, it can be quite it's, funny. It's. The fucking robot on my phone just turned on. Siri, we, we didn't ask you a question. I said Siri, it's not Siri. Yeah, yeah, what do you got to say to that? Nothing. She's out. Nothing. Siri, out. Face. Shut up. Facial discretion. Shut up from Castle Grayskull, <laughs> Siri. Um, anyway, you you sort of unknowingly tap into his ridiculous seriousness yeah. when you do that. Yeah. It's, it's just kind of, I, I remember that song came out, and I, I was like pretty neck deep in like punk rock and metal, and and I, I, I thought they were cool, Counting Crows, but I just... When I heard that song, it just got played. Every, Mr. Jones was played everywhere. No, it was huge. It was. And when it, whenever it got to the gray is my favorite, I was like, oh my god, I can't <laughs> with this song. <laughs> well, I'm telling you, man. If you just read that lyric, it reads like a fucking amazing poem. It's yeah. a great song. It yeah. really. You know me. You know me. You know I like good stuff. Yeah, I'm not saying it's a bad song. I just that one line used to always get me at a at a younger age. Uh, well, thanks, Kyle. We appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we need to put. I'm going to put some pressure on Scott to see if he can get me a Fiddleman hookup. Be awesome, and I want to talk to Scott about getting uh, the 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 tattooed, muscled harpist tattooed on you. First of all, getting a tattoo of him on me, and then maybe also talking to him, also a harpoonist. 
Harpoonist would be Harpoonist awesome. and a harpist. Yeah. Harpoonist unrelated to Maybe the show, on the of course. Maybe on the same episode. Our next email is from Dave Ferraro. Hey, guys. Just wanted to share my thoughts on James and what will hopefully be a quick recovery. Fortunate enough to have gone to both of the S&M2 shows in San Fran. What an amazing weekend. But now, as it's been a couple of days since we heard the news, I can't help but think that I should mentally prepare myself for what I think is a fairly real possibility that I may have attended the last Metallica show ever. Wow. We're, we're going ahead first in the deep end, aren't we? I'm gonna well, I'm gonna I'm gonna boo this. I'm gonna boo that statement. I'm sure. Just say boo. 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 I'm, I'm booing it. Yeah, it's also to, October, so boo. He has more to say. So I'm gonna continue reading. He says, Hear me out. As the front man for without a doubt, one of the biggest and most successful bands the world has ever seen. James has made more money than he or his family have will ever need. He's seen the world a hundred times over, and he certainly has nothing left to prove to anybody. I really hope I'm wrong, but I don't think I would be completely surprised to hear that he chose to walk away from Metallica when his treatment's complete. Uh, should we stop here? This, is, this has got a few more paragraphs yeah. here. Should, should we stop here for a second? I'd love to. Okay. What are your thoughts on that, that I mean, paragraph? I have personally texted a few people kind of in, in this world and maybe – In other worlds? In other worlds. <laughs> in other worlds. In this world and others, yes. When I text people in other worlds, um, I have said – if Metallica decides to call it quits, I think it's it's worth it for the well being of James Hetfield and his family. I would rather I would rather see no more Metallica than see James Hetfield become a drunk and lose his family and lose his kids. That would make me way more sad. Sure. To know that he's just a wreck somewhere alone. You know? Right. Like I would much rather and I, don't get me wrong, I, I don't want Metallica to end. But if those were the options, sure, I would much rather James be healthy and happy. Right. That's kind of my initial thought on that. However, I, I, I lean more on the side of I don't think it's going to be the end of Metallica. I think we need to consider the fact that part of maybe what does keep him healthy may also be Metallica. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, there is the argument. I'm seeing a lot of this. I guess we can just jump into this because sure. Dave has sort of ratcheted us into this combo. Is, um, <clears throat> Some people are saying. Well, of course he relapsed. They've been selling whiskey and beer. Uh, that's I think that's BS. Okay, well, so let me just try to explain at that level. That was a business venture. It's not like it's not like they're personally tasting it all or drinking it all for quality control. That was like that was someone in their business management who said, "Hey, you guys pairing up as a big metal band with whiskey or beer could make you a lot of money." Yeah. They got with that Dave Pickerel guy, a master distiller, and they, yeah. they made some great whiskey. That doesn't mean that he's drinking it or around it. He approved that business project. Sure, he could have he could have stopped it. And just because they're in the business of whiskey doesn't mean he can't go to his liquor store tomorrow and get whiskey. Right. Well, and, and really on top of that, it's it's not like you know it's on on a tap on other private jet. Right. It's like they're really only everyone's about taking a picture with it here and there. Right. And James has been in some of the photos, but. That's it. Like Rob or Kirk might show up to an event, mm-hmm. but that's really the extent of it, you know. And and it's also like I I know sober people, you know. Bob Schneider, one of my best friends, has been mm-hmm. sober for over twenty years, right? And I've got friends that I've watched them get sober while we were on the road. Griffin House, for example. Mm-hmm. And I've got friends that need to be sober who aren't. And <clears throat> my friend Brad Lyons is about to celebrate three or four years of sobriety awesome. in December. And my dad's an alcoholic. Like I just have interfaced with this a yeah, lot. Yeah, same. Uh, and here's the deal, you know, like relapsing after 17 years for James, uh, it likely had a lot more intense triggers than we started a whiskey company. Right. Yeah. It's it's deep. And I think to the point I was trying to make earlier is this idea of like him, the either or of Metallica or mm-hmm. health. Yeah. I think there might be a little more nuance to that in that 
maybe it was because they toured too much this time around. Yeah. I don't I mean, think, this I, is I, a longer I, album cycle. I'm imagining James Hetfield, who's known nothing but Metallica since he was like 20 years old. Yeah. I'm imagining him sitting at home in Vail with nothing to do and no show to go play. Mm-hmm. And I'm imagining that not being real good for him either. You know what I'm saying? Right, totally. You can't... Cause you I, go stir crazy because, sometimes. Because like James, and, I'm, and you're the same, uh, something that I've learned from James, I am a family man. Mm-hmm. I do not give a fuck about anything more than my family. Right. Nothing is more important. So I understand the, the family aspect. But even if you're a family man, that doesn't mean you're with them 24-7. Sure. It just means they're your priority. They're what you love the most. You still have to have your own identity to right. be a great father and be a great husband yeah so the idea that he has to leave metallica to be healthy doesn't it doesn't really jive with what i know about fam, being a family man and trying to be healthy mm-hmm. if, if yeah. it's obviously in his dna to make art sure yeah and he we have no choice yeah it's what we do look at me and you we never got rich doing it and we can't not i can't <laughs> speak for yourself <laughs> <laughs> sorry i forgot you started the metallica podcast jeez Dude, just today in the Uber right here from the bus, I was I bought uh, a bunch of first edition Stephen King books, hardcovers. Okay. They were like four bucks. Yeah. One of them I got was Skeleton Crew, which was I believe published in '83, and he wrote he wrote this great introduction where he's talking about the intersection of commerce. He's talking about like what he got paid to publish these stories before he was Stephen King. Yeah. Because he wrote some of these when he was like in college and at eighteen. Yeah. For and sure. he's submitting them to like the shittiest magazines ever. And he goes on this whole rant. He's like. If you do it only for money, you're a monkey. Uh, he says, even if you do it for the love of it, he said, that sounds nice, but it's not even true. He says, you do it to not commit suicide. Wow. You, you know what I mean? To like not you go ha- crazy. You have I mean. to do it to live. Right. And if James doesn't have that, then who fucking does? Right, exactly. He's given his whole life to music. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of us out there who are touring musicians, who write music, perform, whatever, I mean, this is what we've done I mean, God, I've had a guitar in my hand since I was 11 years old. I've been touring since I was 18. Really hard to eat that way, by the way. It really is. It kind of makes other a giant spoon sometimes. Right, you can use it as a spoon. Yeah, yeah, but you have to have a huge bowl of cereal. I like to get the guitar where the headstock's like one of those Swiss Army knives and like a fork and a spoon. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. perfect. <laughs> it comes out of it. Well, that was just his second paragraph. Let's keep going. Uh, he says, we can all agree that James's health and well-being are more important than anything. Certainly can't speak for James, but I would imagine that anything would also include the band. The thought of losing his family damn near broken the last time, and I can't discount the possibility that he comes out and says that touring and the environment when they're on the road is simply too much of a health risk, and that's choosing to dedicate himself to his wife and children. Maybe the temptations of the road are simply too much for him to risk it all again. I would much rather read that than his obituary, which is what you were saying. Right, yeah. So, which, by the way, by the way, Dave, I, I appreciate his spirit and his willingness to go into the, the dark speculative areas of this mm-hmm. issue. I still don't buy it personally. Yeah. I know that he was traveling with like AA sponsors and like a tight knit of homies that mm. help him. So, and he's he's in a band with such an infrastructure that he the, the environment that we imagine of um, a year and a half in the life documentary, for example, right? That's just simply not what's happening now. No, no, no. It's it's it's, it's I'd imagine very rare that. Someone doesn't have eyes on James. But when think about this too, as soon as as soon as we're watching the thank you videos, they're in a black car on the way to the airport in a private plane mm-hmm. back to the hotel where their families are. Right. Usually, yeah. And I know that if James' family isn't out, 
he's got his support team there. Sponsors or something. Then. So it's not like the puppets tour where Ozzy's drinking his own urine. Right. And women and are jumping out of capes and, and Ozzy's right. asleep under Cliff's bed and Sharon's banging on the door. Yeah. I mean, my, you know, my, if, if I had to throw out my gut feeling on the situation, I would say that it's, I'd, I hope and I imagine it's, it's preemptive. He felt overwhelmed, exhausted from the touring, started getting crazy thoughts and, and figured, you know what? Maybe I got to go. This is a self-check thing. But it was big enough where they canceled an entire tour. I'm so. not. I would fall on the lines of I'm not sure it's preemptive again. We don't know. Right. We don't know. And uh, but my point is, I don't think it's I don't think it's the environment. I think that if you want if you want to fucking drink You'll or, find a way. or do whatever, it doesn't matter. Mm hmm. And I think this even proves the point is you you can be in a in a an airtight it's dude the dude's been sober for over fifteen years yeah they've worked out how to be cool on the road right yeah so suddenly making the if he'd relapsed a year dude if, if he went on the madly in anger with the world tour yeah and then got super fucked up they're like fuck this the fifty dates a year is not going to work we, yeah we, I totally. tried I tried to do the Metallica machine too soon but they've been successfully doing this through however many tours yeah several three record, albums record cycles. Yeah. Uh, the Orion festivals, the mm -hmm. through the never film. Yep. Uh, through all this. Yeah. So we still don't know. Um, anyway, okay. So we'll keep going through his email. He says, "Of course, I could be imagining the nightmare scenario for us Metallica fans. Who knows what caused James to enter treatment again? That's his business, and I won't even try and speculate, as it's not fair to him or his family. We don't know if he's relapsed or if he simply felt that he needed to get his head straight. But I think it's fair to say that whatever his reasons are, this will likely be the hardest thing that James, the person, not James, the metal god, will have to face." As fans, we have no choice but to wait it out and hope that we see the four horsemen together again. And if not, we must respect whatever our beloved Papa Hett decides to do. I think you and I both agree with that, Ethan. Mm -hmm. I would absolutely love to hear your thoughts about all this, and I'm really hoping to. Thanks for taking the time to read it. I love the show. Never thought it was possible to become even more of a fan of this band after 33 years. But Metal Gear Podcast has done just that for me. Cheers. Dave Ferraro, Boston, Mass., New Jersey. Oh, New Jersey. And that emails like that are why we wanted to do this episode, right, Ethan? Because Absolutely, it's, yeah. it's it's exploring the line we're trying to straddle here, right? Is exploring the implications of this very real mm -hmm. thing without being a fucking Perez Hilton bullshit spinner, you know? Yep, totally. Um there were some arguments on the forum happening about there are some people trying to police the forums of like, guys, we shouldn't be speculating. Because some people are saying, is this the end of Metallica? I don't know. Yeah. Um, I think it's A-OK -okay to speculate about the implications, to care about James's health, to wonder what comes next, and all that. It's from Samuel M. He says, hey, brothers, thanks so much for the episode last week on Papa Het. Uh, <clears throat> it was really helpful to process an absolutely shocking piece of news. I had a black ticket here in Australia and locked, uh, locked in every stop on the tour, and I was so looking forward to doing uh, the Adelaide Metal Tales with you guys. Um, still could happen in the future. Uh, devastated not to be able to see them, but I'm fortunate uh, that thanks to a bit of insurance and helpful airlines, I'm not going to end up losing much money. But even if I did, it's just money. James's health is uh, so much more important. I'm confident they'll be back and, uh, and, and get straight back into being the best band in the world. Thanks for all you guys for all you guys do to bring us fans together. Sam from Sydney, Australia, which of course is New Jersey. Could not be. Um, well, yeah, that's cool. I mean, I do feel for all those people because first of all, yeah. they waited the whole three years before the band finally got out there. Yeah, they waited patiently. 
some not so patiently, but mostly patiently, mm-hmm. and uh, it was finally going to happen. And even people that we know, that are, like the Sobecks, that are were going to be traveling from New York to Australia. Well, and I know Sarah was particularly excited because she wasn't able to do the European stadium run, mm-hmm. which she had a black ticket for. Right. Uh, so, you know, for her and, and members of the Sarah van, Australia was like, fuck yeah, we're going to get the... Because yeah. as we've mentioned many times, not only seeing the band, but seeing the, the family. Mm-hmm. You know, they were going to see a bunch of their buddies. You know? Right, exactly. So. Yeah, it was a big vacation for a lot of people. And, and you know, it's he's right when he, you know, he says, that, you know, it's just money. But um, thankfully, a lot of these issues are getting sorted out for people's travel, hotels, things like that. Like, you'll be able to get refunds, things like that. I know a lot of times with airlines, there's like change fees and crap. Yeah. But, you know, it, it is, he's right. It's worth the wait. It's worth, you know, waiting for James to come back out and, and hopefully on top and getting back out there and doing these shows again. And for people who don't know, if you go to Metallica.com, it has Live Nation links, Australia Live Nation and mm-hmm. New Zealand Live Nation, where they are offering full refunds. Right. I don't know about hotels, but Ethan's right. For most flights, if they don't refund you, they at least will give you the value of the ticket. Yeah. Minus change fees towards another flight. So exactly. Ho- hopefully the, the collateral damage wasn't other than the emotional, spiritual yeah. ramifications. Hopefully the, the real world collateral damage wasn't too hard. But again, people are taking off work. They're using mm-hmm. vacation days. Oh yeah, uh, it's a big mess, a huge mess. And we kind of we, we touched on that in the last little emergency episode about what it really takes to kind of cancel something like this. It's not just like we're, it's canceled. That's it. I mean, thousands and thousands of people are inconvenienced. There's mm-hmm. a lot of th- money involved. Well, people- so I talked this. So at one of our shows, you know how sometimes after a show, you'll find yourself in your own green room and not really know many of the people in there. Like <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Whether they're like people that want to just be around Rodney, but Rodney always splits to the bus. Right. You just never know who some of these people are. Sure. And I try to be cool about that because I've been the guy in the green that somehow got in some cool green room. Right. Uh, you know, the famous story that Matthew Mayfield always tells is about Matt Sorum being Uh-oh. like at a gun show and Matt Sorum being like, it was just Matthew in there and Matt Sorum and like on opposite him as a room. And Matt Sorum calling like a production manager or a tour manager and saying, "Hey, can we get all the riffraff out of here?" <laughs> all the riffraff. And all he was talking about was Matthew. <laughs> yeah, only other dude there. And Matthew was like a guest. Matthew's former manager manages Duff, I think, right? Duff and I think Brandy Carlisle, your boss now. Oh, okay. And so he gets he has access to some of these cool gun shows. He, in fact, he invited me to go see Guns with him in Charlotte. And I couldn't. Did yeah, he invite you too. He invited me too. I yeah, could I couldn't make it. Couldn't make it, but yeah, the, he called him the riffraff. That's amazing. Can we, can we get all the riffraff? The riffraff out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and he would probably just stand there like just Oh, well, Matthew's super cool. Quiet. I, I'm yeah. sure he was. And, you know, it's it's sad, too, because he's like one of the biggest Guns N' Roses fans <laughs> ever. Anyway, so I'm in my green room, and there's a bunch of weird people. And so I struck up a combo with a guy. Actually, I found out that this guy was the manager of our opener who I've been writing with. Oh, cool. Sorry, this is so convoluted. But he's a big promoter in May, in the New England area. Okay. So he's responsible for like 15 venues from like a small club to where Metallica would play if they were yeah, playing yeah. up in, in Portland or something. That's awesome. So I said, hey, man, have you heard about James Hetfield? And he's like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, they canceled the stadium tour in Australia, New Zealand. I was like, can you shed any light on like what the money, not money, not numbers, but like the scale of what happens when a band like that cancels a tour yeah. that big? It was like 11 stadium dates. Yeah. And he was like, man, for a band like Metallica that always works with Live Nation, they he's like, Live Nation probably just ate it. Mm-hmm. He said, Live Nation has so much cap. I mean, Live Nation has basically monopolized the entire oh, they, world. I mean, they're buying up clubs and stuff. And so he said that he said that even something that big, like hundred million dollars or more, mm-hmm. that 
they know they've been in bed with Metallica for so long, and Metallica is such a huge money making machine, right? That it sucks. But he said Live Nation. He said he doesn't know for sure again. He said, but he, what he imagines in his experience, because he works with Live Nation all the time mm-hmm. in New England, he said they probably just know Metallica will make it up. Yeah, and that they probably just temporarily eat, eat the cost. They just ate it. Yeah. yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah, I mean that's. I mean, I guess they think that's kind of the risk you take as a promoter, right? You know, and hoping that they will make it up. Well, he was talking about at his level of sort of indie promoting, like mm-hmm. whether it's a club or a shed, like they'll do anything from 300 cap to like 15,000. Yeah. They're not, I don't think they have any stadiums, but he was like, dude, like I was like, if you lose your ass on something, do you have to just shuffle other things? He was like, yeah. He's like, dude, we don't have any capital to lose big. Mm-hmm. He's like, we win and lose all year. Yeah. You kind of want more wins than losses. That's what, that's what promotion is. It's gambling. Yeah. He was like, but we would not be able to eat something like that. We also wouldn't be able to put on a show like that. Right, you wouldn't be able to even sign up to be the because he said that. he said that the, what Live Nation probably paid just to get the, the everything in place, which we mentioned vendors, mm-hmm. transportation, local crew, unions. He said just the upfront cost yeah. was insane. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. That you hope you make back with ticket sales and merch sales and right. food and booze and all that shit. So yeah, it's crazy, man. It is an undertaking for sure. Uh, thank you, Samuel. Our next email is from our beloved friend Cat Anchor, who writes, "Hey guys, I'm driving up to work today, needing the time to process." Things. So I put on an old Metallica show. It's a glorious morning with the most beautiful deep red sunrise. Oh, this is a, po- this is a poem. Poetry. Here we go. I'm driving in the fast lane, blasting No Leaf Clover, singing at the top of my lungs. It feels good. I'm up to the crowd. Hey, bit. I look to my left and see a van, and written in massive red letters on the back door is Jason, spelled with an S. Or spelled with a U, I mean. Most Jasons have an <laughs> S in them. Uh, I take it as a sign from the metal gods and start laughing. It's all going to be okay. Metalla love to you all, cat. What's going to be okay? Would Jason, J- Jason going to replace James? Hey, I've seen a, <laughs> I've seen a show where, where James did not show up and Jason sang the first three songs and it was awesome. I wonder what Jason thinks of all this. Um, I mean, I, I, Jason seems like he has a heart of gold. I'd imagine he's very you know sympathetic. Like, I wonder if he's reached out or maybe so. I, could, I mean, he might. I mean, I, I don't I don't know how much in contact those guys are with Jason in general. <clears throat> but he might have, or maybe sent you know James's wife a text like, "Hey, give my best to James." You know, I'm thinking about him or whatever. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's tough to say. If I mean, obviously he's, I'm sure he's heard the news, but uh, I don't know. Jason seems like he's a really heartfelt dude, and I'd imagine he would probably reach out or at least you know, at least very least send something through management like a bouquet of flowers or something. He's like, man, you guys couldn't <laughs> have done Blackened or My Friend of Misery at S and M too, <laughs> so I can get some more checks. Yeah. Come on, man. Come on, dudes. I'm kidding. I doubt he said that. You're, of course, right. Jason is a sweetie pie. He is a sweetie pie. Did you find what you were looking for? Did you have something? Oh, uh, yeah. To... It's just something to pull up uh, if we start going into a certain uh, portion of this James talk. Cool. I, it just came to my head. I wanted to have the quote handy in case we need it. All right. Well, let's move on. Danny right. Derryberry. Danny Derryberry says, hey, guys. I was recently uh, hurt to hear about our homeboy, James Hetfield, of course. Uh, only thing I've, uh, I've seen come close to the destruction of, uh, of cancer is addiction. No matter the treatment, it will always be there. Remission is the, is the best thing you can hope for. No matter what the reason for James's return to rehab are, it's clear he's taken the best action for himself and his family. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, in other words, uh, of another prolific songwriter of the 90s, got nothing but love for you, do the thing, boy. What's that from? It doesn't ring a bell for me. It's probably not the Spin Doctors. It sounds like... What if he said, in the words of another prolific songwriter of the 90s, Gray's my favorite color! Gray's my favorite color! <laughs> uh... It almost sounds like something like from like Biggie or something. I got nothing but love for you. Do you think, boy? Do you think, boy? Or maybe in vogue? I don't know. In vogue. 
wow. Never gonna get it, never, never gonna, gonna get, get it. it. Never gonna get it, never gonna get it. Dude, I think In Vogue was like my first real like post-puberty crush. Uh, I, were the chicks I in In Vogue. I think the girl, what's her name? It might be Michelle. There's one girl from the, that, the four-piece lineup of In Vogue. That I had a huge crush on as a kid. I thought they were all so hot, and then so beautiful. Then when they did "What a Man" with Salt and Pepper, ooh, and that cam- shit was nasty. Cameo by Spinderella. Yeah, woo, buddy. I t- I taped that video. What a man! What, what a, a man, man! What a man! What a mighty good man! What a mighty mighty good man! I'm gonna go. As she goes, uh, say it again, y'all. <laughs> I love that. That's some James Brown shit right there. Uh, anyways, he says, uh, "Thanks for doing the emergency episode. It's very good to hear from you guys after learning the news." Um. Uh, 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 sorry, akin to, uh, to placing a stake on a black eye just helps the swelling go down. Uh, peace, fellas. Well, thank you so much for that email. Yeah, um, thank you, Danny, for allowing us to sing some "In Vogue" for you. Hey, if all we got from this episode was that we, I remember that I, I once, you know, fantasized about "In Vogue" and Spinderella and Salt yeah. Peppa, that was enough for me. Hey, I'm good. I've been sort of going back, and I think because I've been really kind of depressed lately, mm-hmm. and. Uh, the way I've been sort of dealing with is getting back in touch with things that made me happy when I was a kid. Yeah. So I've been watching a lot of Tales from the Crypt, getting the comic books, getting cassette tapes. If you look right there. What is this, Ethan? Oh, a Walkman. I got a fucking Walkman. Do you get that? Is that the uh, Jensen brand? Um, I know they released a new one. This, no, this has super USB. So what this is for, ostensibly, oh. was you can convert your cassettes to USB. Okay. Which I'm not using it for. Which yeah, we're 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 going from we're going backwards, you and I, with buying cassettes. But it was the only way I could really find it without getting a used one from a pawn shop because this is new. Dude, that's awesome. So I had a warranty. So this is for like going to the gym instead of taking my phone, which has every song I've ever every song in the world on yeah. it. You just take ten songs. I'm just gonna take Disintegration by the Cure, and that's what I'm listening to. Just like when I was a kid. I love that. Josh and Need to Breathe bought a Walkman on the tour we were on together, and he 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 got he every time he get in his bunk, he's like, I can't wait to get my bunk and I listen to a tape. I'm the same way. I need to get one. Uh, that's why I've also been buying all these Stephen King book, the hardcovers. You know, it's like some of the first things I read when I was a kid. Are you gonna start buying literal books on tape? <laughs> hey, I mean, man. well, people I never still, people still call them books on tape, even though you download them from iTunes or whatever. But like, I never did that when I was a kid, though. Yeah. So I wouldn't really have any connection to that. What if you found right. some tales from the Crypt cassettes? Kind of cool. Shit, that would be awesome. If, yeah. Like read in the John Cassier who did the Crypt Keeper voice. That'd yeah. be super fun. Be pretty rad. Or I could make some. I could get some blank tapes and make some for you in the Adam Duritz voice. See what that. <laughs> <laughs> Ethan look reads the August and it everything after. It was a dark and stormy night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was the best of times. Yeah. It was the worst of times. I'm just gonna flip to a random page in your in your beautiful Tales from the Crypt uh, EC archive book. I'm just gonna read one thing. Okay. Um, uh, <laughs> Dear Mr. and Mrs. Bitsby, I'm so sorry I'm late, <laughs> but the seance took long today. <laughs> the seance took long. <laughs> that started that, that started teetering into like weird emo voice. But... Oh shit, dude! <laughs> Tonight. Tonight. I heard one of those weird emo songs. Like somehow, I never really got into that shit. But the whoever it was, God bless him, was just straight up doing the Tonight. I'm yeah. like, dude, this is what we make Good fun night. of. I hate my dad tonight. <clears throat> I hate my mom tonight. Okay, oh Tangent City. Where, where were we? I think we were over Jake Sarchet writes in. Hey, Clinton, even just wanted to send a quick thank you to you both as we're all trying to get our heads around Papa Het. Heading back into recovery, you guys delivered a heartfelt and reasoned episode that changed people's views on the issue. Ooh. Wow. Here in Oz... We've been waiting a long time, but I'm sure we can all agree that James's health and the future of the band is far more important. 
I know that when the boys are ready, they'll deliver something special to the Australian and New Zealand fans. Much love and respect to James, and keep up the stellar news. P.S. If the Saravan are still heading to Perth, I'd love to show them around and have a beer and talk all things Metallica. Feel free to give them my email. Uh, didn't we already do? I don't know if we did that. Uh, we, we've connected so many people on the show. It's tough to keep track. <laughs> it's so true, actually. Um, <clears throat> All right. Well, hey, uh, Sarah, meet Jake. Jake, meet Sarah. Yeah. You Connect. Figure it out. Uh, he does say that they, they'll likely do something special for Australia and New Zealand. And I think that's true. That's another thing we haven't really talked about. Yeah. I, you know, I know that they know what a huge thing it was to cancel this tour. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's lost on them or their management team at all. So hopefully when things are set back right and everyone feels good and healthy, whenever that may be, sooner or later, right? I'm sure they will do something fucking awesome over there. Oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure they will. I mean, even if it's just throwing some badass song they've never played in a long time in there. or What could they do? I mean, like, let's give them some ideas because we know they listen. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, so obviously just doing the shows, like... Sure, doing the eleven let's, stadium shows. Let's be honest too. That I mean, that would be enough. It would be enough. Well, that would be all they're obligated to do, right? Legally and contractually. But how but about um, how about a debut of Fixer? Debut of Fixer would be awesome. Or like what else? Like maybe some Lulu in... front to back. <laughs> wow, that well, would be punitive for somebody. Yeah. Or maybe like a maybe a smattering of like really intimate club shows in addition. Yeah, I mean, some kind of like warm up shows or something, or they... like puppets front to back, like something weird, mm-hmm. something right. unique that would that 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 our Aussie friends and our New Zealand friends would be able to say, "Oh, that's that we... part of Metallica history would happen with us." Yeah, yeah. Or, I mean, even something simple like uh, they always do like normal show posters, but what if there was a uh, like a third one that like everyone that came to the show just got one for free, hmm. something like That'd that. That'd be cool. It's like, hey, they a gesture. Like, we can buy the, we can get the VIP package one. We can get the normal show poster, but we're getting this one for free. Just as like, hey, we're sorry, we, we, this took a while, but right. hey, we're back. Um, I know when James broke his arm, one of the two times they had they had some merch come out of like a skeleton, a pushead skeleton with like an arm cast. Uh, okay, you know? cool. Just to acknowledge, because they had to cancel a few of those mm-hmm. Aussie shows, right? <clears throat> you know, maybe I don't know how they would do that. That wouldn't be grim. Um, yeah, sure. You know. That'd be kind of a tough one. <laughs> That'd but be tough to do, don't but... use those ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Until then, they were writing everything down. Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks, Jake. And yeah, I hope they do something special for you guys. Absolutely. Uh, next email is from Greg. He says, hey, guys, thank you for the impromptu episode about James definitely being caught off guard on one hand. But after thinking about it, maybe not too surprising on the other. Okay, I'm listening. Uh, James had said many times that music saves uh, his life every day. Addiction will be with him the rest of his life. Having followed the band from the beginning in 1983, we're all probably fortunate this hasn't happened sooner or more often. It's definitely, uh, it definitely is heartwarming that 99% of the reaction this has been positive. It's just society these days that have the 1% being trolls and ignorant in these situations. True. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Metallica family is definitely a family of friendship and camaraderie. It's definitely the most important for James to get healthy and for himself and his family first. Uh, we, the Metallica family, will be right here waiting. We'll be right here waiting for you. Whatever it takes. How long it might take. Um, <laughs> uh, waiting for uh, he and the he and the band uh, when he's healthy and ready. So thank you guys for putting this episode together. Long live Metal Dude Podcast, Greg Stasso. Cool man, thank you. He is Greg Talica fourteen on Instagram. He says, um, "Yeah, again, I mean, we can't reiterate that enough. That uh, you know, it might take a while. That's okay. You know, uh, we, it probably will. Honestly, I mean, if you think about it, with, with canceling Australia and New Zealand, the next thing on the books is what? In all with my hands." The in Oath in My Hand show in March and then the South American dates. So if 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 he wants, he basically when when did we find this news out? Like a, about a week ago? A week and a half ago, maybe. So 
James could potentially be in treatment of some kind, October, November, December, January, February. That's five months right there. Yeah. We yeah. don't know. We don't know the severity of it, so we don't know how long it, he might be there. Sometimes it might not be severe, but he wants to be there longer. I don't know. It might just be a 90, you know, the typical thing is 90 days mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> that I'm familiar it, with. Last time it was eight months. But that, but see, but that's the kind of, that's the kind of access you can have when you are a rich celebrity. Right. Is, you know, I know that for my friends that had just did the 90 days, you know, it was like thirty or $40,000. Yeah, it's no joke. Which for us normal um, earthlings is extremely hard to come up with mm-hmm. and, and i know that some of my friends who are musicians were there's a really cool fund uh that will pay for much of it right but my friends had to cough up the rest of the yeah. whatever grand and you know you really got to make those 90 days count mm-hmm. now for him is is it i would imagine that when he went in the first time around it was a lot more intense because well, that, that was, was the first time and yeah he's now been living the program for so long right and is, is sort of well-versed in it. Sure. So. Yeah, the first time around in the St. Anger era, it was, I mean, that was 25 years of drinking and partying. And he talks about how <clears throat> they just completely ground him down. You mm-hmm. know, they kind of destroy you, and then they, in his words, right. they build you back up again. Yeah, and, and, you know, there's also probably going to be a transitional period from whatever treatment he's getting to back to home life, and then from that to tour life. So, it, it, you know, I wouldn't expect James to be reemerging in, in in the next couple of weeks or anything. I mean, it's going to be a, a however long a process in treatment, then kind of coming out of that, reconnecting with your family, and, and I'm sure it's a thing where his family sees him and stuff and visits him. You know, it's not like hey, we're not going to see our dad for four months. You know, um, I know when I, I've had friends in rehab, it's like you can visit us anytime. Mm-hmm. So, but coming back home, that transition, and then all of a sudden, okay, let's talk about back on the road you know yeah so we'll see i don't know time will tell Hey, it's Clint from Metal Up Your Podcast, and we hope you're enjoying the Metal Tales from the Road series. If you've been keeping up with us, then you already know that we've covered every stop on the 2018-2019 North American Arena Tour, and we look forward to catching up with all of our European friends later this year on the Stadium Tour overseas. And there's more. After the Stadium Tour, we are continuing the Metal Tales series for any Metallica show in the past. Maybe you saw one of the Orion festivals. Maybe you were at the Channel in 1984 and Cliff Burton bought you a beer. Maybe you were at one of the 30th anniversary shows or you just saw a regular ass show in north dakota somewhere we want to hear from you since ethan and i started metal up your podcast we've wanted to find a way for listeners to call in and share their stories well this is it to make yourself eligible for a future or past metal tales episode please consider joining us on patreon for five dollars a month you not only get to come on the show as a guest you also get both of our Cover Our World Blackened EPs, monthly giveaways like deluxe box sets, rare vinyl, posters, and other goodies. You get early access to our YouTube videos, and we also let you ask our guests like Ray Burton, Michael Wagner, Hailstorm, members of Slipknot, your very own questions. For what essentially amounts to two cups of coffee a month, you can ensure that Metal Up Your Podcast continues to grow in quality and content. For any of you on the ride with us, we love you, we thank you, peace, and adios. All right, our next email is from our good friend Tiffany Simonson, who's been on the show before and in Metal Tales, and who has donated a lot of cool shit to the show. She says, uh, short and sweet, I've completely avoided social media since the news broke, but thanks to Metal Up Your Podcast, I have people to talk to about this 
And that's totally thanks to you guys. Thanks for helping all of us find our people, Aww. which is cool because I know that uh, at the SNM two shows she ca- kind of got connected with with Nicole mm-hmm. and with Anya, right? And and others. I know that Andy Brown's connected with a lot of these people. Yeah, of course, Chris Yurgis and Edgar, and so <clears throat> just to be a small little part of that cog in the machine mm. is is rewarding. Yeah, it's, it feels good. I mean, it, you know, we're not over here patting ourselves on the back. Well, I know. am. Well, maybe just. There it is. Just, just a little bit. Little. You hear that? Um, no, it, it is. It's. It, it brings us joy to see you guys out there connecting with each other because of this, and all this is because of Metallica. So mm-hmm. it's it's fun for us to watch from a distance. Um, all right, Taryn Mestis uh, writes in says um, maybe maybe uh, wow maybe a little long, but I need to get this out. My sixteen year old daughter started playing bass after hearing Cliff's riffs, and uh, he is her idol. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know how she felt yesterday on the anniversary of his death. I listened to the band when I was in high school, and to be reintroduced to their music, <clears throat> sharing it with my daughter has made some some memories that will last the rest of my life. We got to go to SM uh, too early this month as well. That's a cool thing. Uh, when she heard about James, uh, she was out with her friends and came home crying. <laughs> uh, she just kept repeating how important the band is to her, and she, that she was very worried. I told her to look at things uh, things in a different way. Uh, instead of being upset, be happy that he was getting help and we didn't receive much worse news. I know uh, you hear stories like this all the time, but it was nice to share our concern with someone who gets it. Love your show, and <clears throat> and we love being in the Metallica family. Awesome. Oh, that's cool, Taryn. Well, that's cool that you know your, your, your 16-year-old daughter, I mean, that age, sometimes teenagers don't have a heart that you know what i mean like like i've got a, a niece who's 15 mm-hmm. i know she cares and she loves people she's a sweetheart but most of the time of that surface is like like oh it's so good to see you. i love you like yeah. yeah you know that teenage kind of thing well but it's i also cool don't to... yeah i also don't know a lot of 16 year olds who's cliff burton's their hero yeah that's pretty rad so... or that wanted to go to snm too or who would be so concerned about headfield <clears throat> that you know that they've been move to tears right yeah and that's what annoyed me about some of the um virtue signaling and po- moral policing happening on the forums about yeah. like you can't talk about this is i'm like it's clearly coming from love yeah we love this dude it's insane mm-hmm. i shouldn't love this guy i don't know him right he's not my family but because that's the magic of music mm-hmm. and how it's reached into my life and been my family absolutely the mu- this i remember listening to re- this might be why i'm so connected to reload I remember we had to move out of my house and live with my grandmother when I was in 97, whatever grade I was in, ninth grade. Mm-hmm. Really hard, really weird. And like living, I almost had to go to a different school and I wasn't zoned for it and just almost losing my friend group and all that. I remember listening to Unforgiven 2 mm-hmm. on repeat on a little bitty boombox with little shitty headphones and thinking, this is this is my friend. Yeah. This song is one of my best friends. Absolutely. It sounds so stupid. I still think that way sometimes. So <clears throat> I'm like almost getting choked up talking about that. But so when I'm on the forums going, I don't know if it's the end of Metallica. I hope not. I hope that it wasn't the pressure of touring that I, I hope that whatever it was, James didn't feel so isolated and alone that all he could do was relapse. Like, mm-hmm. And then the people were like, you shouldn't say that. I'm like, dude, there's a fucking difference between someone going, oh, who's that again? Oh, the least here Metallica, the guy, the, the alcoholic, of course he relapsed. Yeah, someone, no shit. someone who's like a, obviously a jerk, obviously stupid, yeah. obviously mean. Right. If you can't parse the difference between that and someone who's dedicated enough to be on a fan forum, mm-hmm. which let's face it, there's like a hundred active members. It's not like we're all just the diehards. Yeah, totally. If you can't see the difference between that and someone going, oh my God, like I hope the dude who made the music that was my friend when I needed a friend yeah. and saved my life, I hope everything's okay. Yeah. If you can't see the difference in that, 
and I feel like that's what Taryn's tapping into with her daughter too. Sure. It's like this is someone who comes home from school hearing the news crying. Mm-hmm. Right. You know? Exactly. So, <clears throat> thank you for sharing that, Taryn. Yeah, thank I'm you, glad Taren. that we were someone you felt like you could email. Which, by the way, metal up your podcast show at gmail.com is how you get a hold of us. We've yep. got two more here. Dos mas. James. Yeah, of course we're doing a couple more because they all in relation to, to the, the James talk, the riffing on James. So, uh, yep. If you haven't figured that out yet, we're a little bit past five. Well, that's what the episode is. Riff, exactly. Riffing yeah. riffin on hit. Riffing on hit. James Middleton says, "Hey guys, I think we can all agree that we were shocked to hear the news of James checking himself into rehab, but I think we can all really be happy that it wasn't worse news." Which that's a good point. James is a hero to me, you guys, and pretty much every Metallica fan in the world. And because he's been clean for so long, we all take it for granted and forget the battles. I was sober from 2008 to 2017, and I fucked up. I thought I could be a big boy and have fun with a couple of drinks and still manage my life. But that one night with a couple of drinks turned into eight months of drinking every night. Wow. I stopped again on April 1st, 2018, and I'm glad I did. My wife needs me. My daughter needs me. That's what James is thinking about the most. His family needs him and needs him healthy. We're all human. We're all flawed. But the best news is we can heal. He did it once and came back strong. Imagine how much stronger he's going to be after this. We all love him. We're all glad he's not in a worse condition. It'd probably have to take, I'd probably have to take a week off work if I found out James Heffel was not in this world anymore. Support people trying to beat their demons and addictions. It's more than just a battle. Sincerely, Jay Middleton. Wow. That's cool. Thank you, Jay. And thank you, Jay, for sharing that personal news about yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, that, <clears throat> that's something that a lot of times, you know, when people are kind of speculating on what's going on with him, they don't take into consideration is like, what, what the, that it is a true battle for people, a life lifetime, you know, but dealing with this stuff. I mean, it's not just like, all right, I quit it. It's been like a year. Like, I'm fine now. Like, I'm not going to ever think about that ever again. I, I mean, I have friends, like I mentioned, Bob, who are over 20 years sober. Mm-hmm. And when we're on the road, he'll still go to meetings. Yeah. And, you know, he, we have booze on the bus. He knows that I drink. Several of the guys in the band drink. Right. And he's totally fine. But so that, that like, leads me to conversations. I'm like, so you're okay being around it, but you still go to meetings. He's like, yeah. He's like, to me, to drink a beer would be like drinking gasoline. It's like yeah. poison. Right. I can't imagine it. He's like, but still, like, he was like, you're never done. Like, mm-hmm. you're never done being a sober guy. Sure, yeah. And he's like, sometimes I go to meetings just to clear my head. Sometimes I go to meetings just because I'm bored. Sometimes I go to meetings because life feels kind of crazy. Yeah. And he's like, I don't think I'm going to drink necessarily, but I still go to meetings. And like... Just like a self-check. That's eye-opening know? to me. Sure. 20 years sober, and he's still like... He, and he's told me before, he's like, if I did start drinking, I wouldn't stop until I died. Yeah. He's like, if I, if I somehow had a beer... I would drink and drink and drink until I died. Yeah. That's what he believes about himself. Wow. That's crazy. I'm like, fuck, man. That's heavy. You start having conversations in the real world with real people mm-hmm. like that, and then you filter this news about James into it, and he's just a human being like anyone else. It's just like Jay said. He thought he could be a big boy. He had a few drinks. Yeah, for sure. And then eight months later, he realizes, I can't do it. I can't fucking do it. I mean, yeah. And and, and it, it sounds so simple, but yeah, sometimes that it's literally a drink or two is the trigger. Like... I've been sober for 15 years. Like I can handle one or two beers and then just cut it off. Well, the second that shit hits your system, it's going to f- flip a switch in your head. It's like, all right, keep going. Well, then you feel the guilt of having let yourself down, right. your, the people around you down, and then you're like, fuck it. Yeah. I do that with eating. I'll eat well and feel good about what I'm accomplishing, and then mm-hmm. I'll, I'll have you know four cocktails and eat six pieces of pizza. <laughs> yep. And instead of being like, well, I had six pieces of pizza. Tomorrow I need to hit the gym. I'm like, well, I'm a piece of shit. And I hate myself. So I'm going to Waffle so House t- in the morning. So tomorrow, I'm just going to go to fucking Denny's and get the Grand <laughs> Slam. Moves over my hammy. <laughs> go to town. 
Holy shit. The all-star Grand Slam. All-star Slam. slam or yeah. <laughs> uh, thanks, Jay. Appreciate it, dude. Thank you. Uh, last name was from Nick Roller. What C- up, Nick? That's the original heavy metal lawyer. That's right. He says CNE. I assume that means Clint Ethan. Uh, well, hopefully. Just spe- speculating here. Clark and Ethel. Clark and Ethel. <laughs> Uh, it says, thanks for doing the episode. I don't, uh, I didn't know I needed it as much as I did until I listened to it. Uh, that quote you guys inserted from James choked me up big time. Uh, while I never struggled with alcoholism or actual substance addiction, aside from cigarettes, that's hey, that's an addiction. Um, I identify with James's personal struggles so much when he said things like, the, uh, the, the way I learned how to love things was to choke them to death. It hit me so hard. It made me reflect on myself. It made me feel like I could change. Uh, I, I could be better, and of course, I wasn't alone. I'm just sick to my stomach to, uh, with worry for James, not because of the band I love so much or their future, but for him, for James Hetfield the human. Uh, I know for each and every one of us diehard Metallica fans uh, uh, has always been there. James is, James has been there. Uh, so I wanted so I wanted to just say thank you for what you do. I want to shout out every single member of the Metallica family who sent out positive words and vibes to the band, to James and each other. I'm so fr- fracking so fucking proud to be in the met fam i'm so fucking proud of fracking i'm so fracking proud of fracking <laughs> and fractal rigs um yeah i do think nick thank you thanks for the email man but yeah i, I mean just kind of what me and clint were talking about you know <clears throat> just with these personal struggles and you know people and dude i mean cigarettes no joke to quit man cigarettes are one of the hardest things to quit i've had friends that have literally drank and done every drug on the planet and quitting cigarettes was the hardest one. It, it, it's it's an addiction too, man. It's a tough one. Um, but you're right. Like we've been reiterating so much. I mean, James's health and well-being is the most important thing in the situation. And, you know, we have to kind of separate James, the metal god, from James, the human being here. And it's like, this is a, this is a dude like us. I mean, yeah, he's got more money and he's very famous. But he's still a human being with a, you know, he's still a dad to somebody. He's still a husband to somebody. You know, a brother. So. That need to go. It is hard though, because it's like, but you're the guy who wrote and recorded "Ride the Lightning" and "Master of Puppets" <laughs> and "Justice, and Justice for All" and the Black Album and "Load and Reload." Saint Anger yeah. and "Kill 'Em All" and "Death Magnetic." "Kill 'Em All," I get. It's "Kill 'Em All," just a great thrash record made by yeah. some young punk metal kids. Yeah. Lightning though, it's like, whoa! You wrote "Faded Black." These are men. Death. Holy shit! These are adults now. These are men. Are we men? Are we men? But, it, yeah, like you're saying, of course it's true. And the overarching sentiment, as we mentioned in the last episode, has been positive. Obviously, mm-hmm. everyone wants him to get well. Right. There's been a few fucking scumbags that are like, he should man up and finish the tour. Okay. Yeah, whatever. You should read a fucking book and get out of the house, learn how to be a human being. <laughs> um, so that's kind of it. We wanted to just yeah. create a space for people to process. We got a shitload of emails. You obviously heard them. People are cons- Mostly people are concerned. It's oh, nice. It, it's, like- it's, 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 very, uh, it's very positive. And... and- slightly end on this this is what i was pulling up earlier Mm -hmm. and this now kind of relates to it it's uh uh randy blythe from lamb of god Mm -hmm. so he credits james heffel for saving his life right um uh basically uh, it's a pretty long quote but i'll just read a little bit of it he said i got sober while uh, while we were on tour with metallica almost nine years ago the first day of that run one of my crew guys came to me and said hey hetfield's looking for you uh we've been been tour with him in the states and europe for over a year and and i was just raging especially in europe but inside i was miserable he knew that i've been trying to quit drinking and it wasn't working for me working for me anymore. And it all came to an end in Australia, which is where I saw this tour. Oh wow. Just crazy. But he talks about, you know, his willingness to get sober while on tour with on a heavy metal tour. But it's really cool. Uh towards the end, he says, So my thoughts and prayers are with James. I love that dude. He literally helped save my life. Right. 
which is pretty cool. So we've seen a lot of, uh, you know, speaking of the positive stuff, I mean, other huge, I mean, Tony Iommi put out a thing and saying, James, you made, you made the right choice. Well, Jamie Josta came out and said that James Hetfield is also the reason he got sober. Yeah. And I know Zach Wilde too, although Zach Wilde doesn't come out, I know personally that, that James is a big reason Zach Wilde got sober. Yeah. It's crazy though. I mean, like he has such an influence outside of just music, you know, it's like, yeah, he inspired me to play guitar, to write lyrics, to write songs, whatever. But to see someone like James Hetfield that we know and love so well, to inspire other people to get sober is is so cool yeah. and and just it's it's, it's, it's the power of his, his influence is insane well and i think too like the, it shouldn't go without saying also that him coming out and saying i need help mm -hmm. is going to save save people's yep. lives it is going to help people and maybe he factored that into the cost of the whole sacrifice of the tour and everything too right. it's like even though it's a relapse and it's kind of round two for him for many people who came online with sane anger, who are now getting into their 20s and 30s and maybe realizing they're alcoholics, to see someone like James Hetfield say, I've got a problem, I mm -hmm. need help, yep. that is going to encourage people to do the same. Absolutely, yeah. And that, the ripple effect of that is going to change all sorts mm -hmm. of lives. 100%. So we'll end by saying we love James and we send nothing but positive vibes to him. We, Absolutely. We hope he gets well. We look forward to him coming back and proving why they're the greatest band in the world. Yeah and making it up to Australia and New Zealand, and then whatever comes next. Now, there's this mysterious MetallicaXX.com right. with a three-day countdown to what will be Thursday. Yeah. And there's a lot of speculation about what that might mean in, in terms of the future of Metallica. It seems like it probably means a release announcement for the DVD, Blu-ray, vinyl of SNM2. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Because it's about 16 hours after the premiere. Mm -hmm. So... We'll have to wait and see what that is. I was sort of speculating earlier that it'd be real dope if it was like a hardwired leftovers EP or something. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think with the two X's, meaning 20 in mm -hmm. Roman numerals, um, mm -hmm. I'd imagine it has to do with S&M. Right. And it's the, it's the morning, whatever, the 16 hours after the premiere. Or it's 20 new Metallica songs. 20 new Metallica songs. 20 new Metallica albums. 20, yeah. <laughs> 20 new Metallica box sets. Yeah, we did 20 box sets while in the tuning rooms on tour. Well, we'll have to just wait and see, but I did want to mention that website because it is kind of just popped up and everyone's kind of like, what the fuck is all this? Yeah. So we'll, you know, we'll be back. By the way, next week's episode Ooh, yeah. will be with the wonderful Chad Z. James's tech. Who is James's guitar tech. And the interview's already in the can, but uh, we're it's gonna, great. We're Clint, gonna... Clint, unfortunately, had to do it by himself because I had a session. But I got to listen to the whole thing, and it's great. A lot of you on Patreon, I think, have already heard it. Yeah, but, we uh, have it on Patreon, which is another cool thing over there. So if you dig the show, it only takes a second to leave an iTunes review, and it goes a long way. If you really love the show, go check out Patreon. You heard about it earlier. We make it special for everyone over there. And we're going to end with my rough mix of Turn the Page, which is on cover, Our World Black in Volume 4, which will only be available to patrons. Coming until, to theaters. Coming to theaters <laughs> at cinemas near you, which will only be available until Volume 5 comes out, which is probably going to be next fall or summer. So. Yeah. Uh, with that, I guess we'll just say peace. Adios. On a long and lonesome highway East of Omaha You can listen to the engine Moaning out its one-note song Think about the woman, the girl you knew the night before. But your thoughts will soon be wandering 
the way they always do when you're riding 16 hours there's nothing much to do you don't feel much like riding you just wish the trip was through they say here I am on the road again there I am up on the stage there I go playing the star again there I go Just want to explore. And most times you can hear them talk. Other times you can't. Are the same old cliches? Is it a woman or a man? And you always feel outnumbered. You don't dare make your stand.
I said, what would you say? Then I would say, delete that. <laughs>